Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, the show that helps you lead better. I'm Andy Peck, host of the show. Don't forget you can listen back to the show uh, on demand via Premier's website and also pick up archived shows for a month on Premier and then for good via iTunes. So why not subscribe to iTunes and if you enjoy the show, you could leave a review. Well, local churches will often work on their culture, ensuring it's open and accessible to others and develops people in their discipleship. But is your church concerned to develop a prophetic culture? Uh, Would you know what one was? Well, I'm joined this week by Phil Wilthew, a prophet and teacher at King's Arms Church, Bedford, and author of a book entitled Developing a Prophetic Culture, to talk about how your church can be open to God's moving in this area. So welcome, Phil, to the Leadership File. Thank you, Andy. Great to be here. So uh, your journey first to work at King's Arms, Bedford? Yeah, well, I, I grew up on the South Coast. Uh, my, my dad was a Baptist pastor, so I, my early days were... Uh, growing up in the Baptist church, um, followed by a move into uh, New Frontiers, uh, which is a, a movement or a family of churches started by a man called Terry Virgo. So I moved to a New Frontiers church around about the age of uh, 10, uh, which was really where I, I guess I first began to experience the things of the, the spirit in a church context. Um, so I've kind of been in the New Frontiers family really ever since that point. Um, studied in Newcastle, uh, studied social policy, uh, got married, had a family, uh, began leading in a, my first church up in Newcastle for around uh, about eight years I was leading there. And then made our way down to King's Arms in 2010. So uh, King's Arms is a, a church that's been going a little over 20 years now. It started really as a a social action ministry to the homeless in Bedford. Uh, it's probably one of the things that the church is most well known for. And I had visited the church on a number of occasions, uh, partly to speak at the church, but also because I had good friends in the church. And yeah, in 2010, we felt the call of God to move from up north, uh, down south a little bit more, uh, to join the team here. So I'm now part of the leadership team in the church and really it's a church that's gone through quite a transformation in the last six to seven years um, with numbers of people coming to faith in Christ. Uh, so we're, we're probably a community of over a thousand people now across multiple services and enjoying what God's doing here. So yeah, that's kind of how I got here. That's potted history. Oh, terrific, terrific. And, and your aim in writing the book, uh, Developing a Prophetic Culture? Yeah, well, I guess one of my my passions is to see uh, young and old, sons and daughters, hearing God as their inheritance. I believe that's very much what the Bible teaches should be our expectation. And culture, really, it's it's about how you create the environment for the right things to grow. So I I wanted to write the book really from the perspective of someone who's been leading in a church Uh, visited lots of churches, serving lots of different churches through the years, and just beginning to recognize some of the things, some of the traits that really help the prophetic to grow in certain communities and which perhaps stifles it in others. Um, I mean, the culture, originally, it's an interesting word because it's actually originally an agricultural word. Uh, It comes from the word cultivate, and the idea very much is around the farmer 
cultivating or tilling his piece of earth, his piece of land, so that the the right stuff grows in it and the wrong stuff doesn't. So culture, I guess, is that process of deciding what do we want to grow in our environment as a, as a local church? What things do we want to thrive? Uh, what are the things that we want to encourage into being? So prophetically, prophetic culture is about how can we create the right environment in which everybody gets to hear the voice of God as their normal Christian experience as part of their everyday journey of faith. So that really was the, the kind of heart behind it. And ultimately, I, I believe churches that are well <coughs> grounded in the prophetic and know how to hear God will be some of the most culture transforming churches on the planet in terms of their effect on the world around them. So ultimately, the heart is that we we impact the culture and we change nations. Splendid. Now, obviously, we're we're in our conversation making a few assumptions. Um, you you yeah. have to. Um, but there'll be some listeners who perhaps are in churches where, you know, prophetic is is Isaiah and Jeremiah. Uh, they, they know this kind of mm. they're, they're not used to this kind of language of, of hearing God. So to talk us about, you know, when you first had experience of hearing a, a prophetic word and mm. then perhaps explain to, to maybe people from churches where there's prophetics not common, uh, what what kind of happens when you hear a word and you deliver one? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would recognize um, some of those environments that people are in where maybe the prophetic is not part of their kind of parlance or the language that they would use, maybe not even part of their experience, because that's certainly what, what I grew up in. Um, and my first ever experience of prophetic ministry uh, was as a, as a young lad. I, I remember my parents taking me one evening to hear a quite a well-known English healing evangelist. And I really had no frame of reference at that point for the fact that God still spoke today. I, I did believe in God. I, I put my faith in Christ at quite a young age, but then really had no subsequent expectation that uh, I would encounter God. And so I remember my parents taking me along to this evening meeting of this healing evangelist. And it was just one of those life-transforming moments, really, for me, because uh, there, were, there were two things I remember vividly. One was him... Uh, graphically portraying the gospel in terms of Christ's suffering on the cross, uh, the, the blood of Christ, the atonement. And I, I remember he really he preached the gospel very, very powerfully. But then right off the back of it, the very next thing that he did was he began to launch out with giving prophetic words or words about people's physical conditions that he felt God wanted to heal that night. And uh, the first person he prayed for was a, a gentleman who wore a very, very large instep on one of his shoes. And this evangelist had a word of knowledge for him. Uh, he came forward, sat on a chair, and uh, had his legs kind of held out in front of him. And he could clearly see one leg was visibly much, much shorter than the other. And to, to my amazement, as he was prayed for, this other leg shot out until right. it was exactly the same length as the other wow. uh, i could hardly believe what i was seeing to be honest it was one of those yeah. you know rub your eyes and disbelief moments mm. um and then he had a word of knowledge for me and he said there's someone here you're sleeping very very badly you're having nightmares and i'd love to pray for you and that was me and i, I remember going forward for prayer and just being overcome by the whole experience mm. and uh 
uh, that night as we we drove home and we kind of went went through the door of our house i just remember saying to my mum and dad jesus is alive yeah. jesus is actually alive yeah, yeah. he's alive and it was it was just one of those wake up moments for me because i'd seen him speaking in a way into individual lives that radically brought change and i don't think i was ever the same really from that moment on it gave me an appetite for the fact that hearing God is not just historic, but it's meant to be current. It's meant to be our um, our experience as Christian believers that we we hear the Father's voice. Yeah, and well, that's a wonderful story. And and of course, you know, your faith develops. You uh, uh, maybe you were still in that that the kind of church where that didn't happen. But at some point, of course, you you yourself thought, hey, I could I could not just receive, but I could also give. What, what was the process that took place? Yeah, good question. I Yeah, it was probably several years after that encounter. Um, we'd subsequently moved to church. I was in a, a New Frontiers church in Brighton, uh, which was led by Terry Virgo, where it really was the common experience of the church to leave room for hearing God, for people bringing prophetic contributions in meetings. And I had not yet felt I'd heard God myself, but I certainly was seeing it demonstrated around me. So, I mean, the, the the first time I really felt God speak to me prophetically was as a 12-year-old um, in this environment. I was on a youth weekend away, and I remember walking to a, a meeting one evening. It was in the middle of a, a big rainstorm, and I, just as I was walking, I was just praying under my breath as I was walking to the meeting, and suddenly I had a thought come into my head that I knew wasn't my own, and I thought, I wonder if this is God speaking to me. And it was a very, very simple word about God wanting to come and encourage someone who felt like they were walking through a rainstorm and that, uh, that hope was coming and that God was going to come and help them. It's a very, very simple word, but I knew that I hadn't made it up. It just came as a sudden flash thought in my head. But uh, I was I was a very, very timid um <laughs> young kind of adolescent i i would sit at the back of the class at school i would not answer teachers questions i got very very easily embarrassed i, I hated the limelight so so that evening i thought that you know there is no way that i am sharing this word with anybody that is just too scary and the the worship time that night came to an end and one of my youth leaders said i just feel like god says there's someone here and you've got a prophetic word for the very first time <laughs> and I'd love you I'd love you to come and share it now. Well, yes. And I and I just thought that no, there's just no way. I just can't do this. I'm just too I'm too embarrassed. Well anyway, this my youth leader just persisted and persisted for two, three times until eventually I I kinda gave in and I, I walked to the front and I shared this very simple word that I felt God had spoken to me. And what I, I didn't realise is that as I was sharing this word one of my other youth leaders who was standing behind me, he just began to he began to weep. He literally began to sob. And I, I, I again, I didn't connect the two events at all until later on he, he stood up and he said, Phil, he said, the word that you shared tonight was directly for me. And he said, that's exactly what I needed to hear from God. Thank you so much for sharing. And that was my, I guess, my baptism into hearing God prophetically myself. And I think because it came with such immediate um, help to somebody else, 
um, I, I grew in confidence really from that point in listening to God and trying to discern what he was saying. Oh, that's wonderful, Phil. Thank you. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Phil Wilthew, a prophet and teacher at King's Arms Church, Bedford, and author of a book entitled Developing a Prophetic Culture. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Phil Wilthew, a prophet and teacher at King's Arms Church, Bedford, author of a book entitled Developing a Prophetic Culture. We're talking about, uh, well, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, Phil's history and and how he uh, first heard a prophetic word and how he first delivered one. And it was uh, thrilling to hear, Phil, the way in which God kind of launched you and 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 also gave you a context, really, uh, for uh, delivering that, that, that message. Uh, obviously, some, some people are listening and thinking, hang on, this is, you know, like you've described, a long way from the kind of church that, that I'm part of. Could, perhaps you could, um, you know, uh, argue for the importance of the prophetic in a, in a local church, for maybe for church leaders who are maybe listening and are a bit sceptical or a bit confused about this whole thing. Sure, yeah. I mean, I guess ultimately it comes back to it comes back to the scriptures. It comes back to what you read of as a as a biblical New Covenant New Testament church. I guess that would be my starting point for a, I guess a, an apologetic for the prophetic in local church is quite simply that's what we read of in the pages of scripture. I mean, the the the, the story of humanity starts with mankind hearing God. Um, Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. It was about relationship, intimacy, closeness. Um, that intimacy obviously was lost, but then recovered by Christ through his death and his resurrection. And certainly it was Jesus' expectation that we would live in this kind of dynamic relationship with God. Uh, you know, so John, John 10, 4, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. Uh, they're able to recognize the difference between a stranger and the shepherds. Um, his expectancy of his disciples certainly was that when the Spirit came, the Spirit would speak to them, counsel them. He's called the Comforter, the Counselor. Um, Acts chapter 2, the birth of the early church, starts with this beautiful outpouring of the Spirit, not just on the odd prophet or the odd mouthpiece, but upon sons and daughters so peter is able to say listen in the last days i'm going to pour out my spirit your sons and daughters will prophesy an abundance of the prophetic is i believe one of the the hallmarks of the the covenant we now live in it's our inheritance it's not for the elite or exclusive few it's for all of the fathers sons and daughters we get to hear him and then obviously i guess that the model of the early church which without god speaking prophetically history would just be radically different yeah. you know so without hearing god prophetically you know we wouldn't have the conversion of the apostle paul in acts 9 no, quite, yeah. you know we wouldn't have a famine collection in acts 11 we'd have no church planting in acts 13 we'd mm. have no man of macedonia moments we'd have no book of revelation you know just to name but a few so sure, sure. I, I guess i would argue i really believe this is the picture that scripture paints of mm. what normal church life looks like mm. Splendid. And, and can you give some examples maybe of a way in which a, a prophetic word has played a key role in a, a church's development? Maybe one you've been part of or maybe one that you've heard of? Yeah. 
I mean, for a great example would be for my own church. So for 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 us here at King's Arms, we had a prophetic word, uh, probably around about 2011, and it came as a picture, and the picture was of the church being like an aircraft carrier, and the word was a God's encouragement for us to think differently about ourselves, that we were to think not so much in terms of just fishing boats, but aircraft carrier. So in a way, they're both boats but they serve two very different functions and God's encouragement was to think of ourselves as a a resource church and that our life was going to be characterized by uh, people coming to us for a season but then being sent out from us to the nations for a season that very much had a, a worldwide global perspective it was about nations not just one locality it was about a shift in mindsets um, you know, it's about being connected to a whole flotilla of other ships. And so uh, that prophetic word, as an example, has shaped the way we've really built our local church, I guess, from that point where we are deliberately trying to create resources that serve other people. That's partly why I wrote a book. It's because God spoke to us about resourcing people beyond just ourselves. Mm. Um, it means that we, we, we give lots of money away. We try and be generous and try and sow into where God's moving in different parts of the nation. It means we've got a commitment to sending people to start churches. So we've we just recently started a, a new church in the south of France, in Montelimar. Um, things like that would be the direct result of a shaping prophetic words to us, which meant that we, we shifted some priorities, really. So, I mean, many churches with a charismatic tag, if I can use that language, don't, yeah. don't seem to give room for the prophetic. Certainly if there's a, maybe a thousand people gathered for worship, um, that's not necessarily perhaps an easy place for prophetic words to be given, although I, I guess there could be ways in which that could happen. So what, what would be the, some keys to providing a, or building a prophetic environment in that, that kind of church? Yeah, great question. Um, I think the starting point, a little bit like we've already talked about, has got to be scripture. I think you've got to be convinced biblically that this is the pattern for Christianity in terms of how we gather together as a community. So I think do some work theologically first just to be convinced because we want our behavior always follows our belief. So I think make sure that your belief's in line with what we're reading in the Bible. I think secondly, it's trying to find contexts where you can train, gather, equip, and deploy people prophetically. Um, so every time prophets show up in the New Testament, certainly, it seems to always be in the context of plurality and community. So whether that's Acts 11, Acts 13, Acts 15, Acts 21, uh, prophets seem to be thriving in a context where they're with other like-minded people. So I guess I would say... what it may not be on a Sunday morning. It may be in other contexts where you gather uh, people who are wanting to grow in the prophetic, where you can do some training, and then also give space to have a go. I, I think so often what stops us growing in the prophetic is we're, we're scared of getting it wrong, and we don't have a safe place in which to grow. And I think something that's been really important for us is learning to uh, encourage obedience not just outcome um, I think we're in such a performance oriented culture where we only often reward outcomes 
that we don't pay attention to the process of getting there. And so I think I would encourage church leaders to find a space where people can grow and learn and have a developmental mindset. Um, Because ultimately my responsibility is to learn to say yes to God. The fruit is up to him. And so I want to create context in our church life where people can be growing and learning together, where we can coach, we can give feedback in a safe environment. And ultimately, I think if we do that well in the local church, people begin to use the prophetic in the marketplace with confidence and in a way which really brings change into people's lives who don't yet know Christ. And and a word or two, Phil, about the uh, kind of safeguards, because clearly, you know, the prophetic has gone wrong. People have have very unhelpfully, unhelpfully and unhealthily. Um, spoken into people's lives, maybe co- words of condemnation, or, yeah. or or allowed them to expect something that actually wasn't God, and that that kind of gives gives the whole movement a bad name. Absolutely, yeah, it does, and I think we've all got stories. I've certainly got my own set of stories of where the prophetic has not been modelled well. So I, I have a lot of sympathy for people who've perhaps journeyed through some of that. I think ultimately. Bad practice is not an argument for not doing it. It's sure. an argument for let's let's do it better. Mm. Um, so I, I think a few things, obviously, root it in Scripture. Um, you know, in Scripture, New Testament prophetic is about good news. It's about Christ. It's about loving people well. It's about honor. It's about pointing people towards the, the, the gospel of the kingdom and communicating God's heart. Um, I, I think another brilliant safeguard is to really teach people who they are in Christ about identity. So we have a little phrase here about the prophetic, and it's this. We say, the prophetic is a sword that you hold, not a crown that you wear. In other words, my sense of significance um, is not rooted in me being able to prophesy. It's rooted in my identity in Christ, who I am. I'm a, I'm a son of my father. And I think if you teach an, env- an, an environment and a community to think properly about who they are now that they're in Christ I'm adopted I'm accepted by the Father I'm secure it deals with a lot of the, the rubbish that can go along with uh, our kind of insecure tendency sometimes so I think go for identity I think as well um, go for creating an environment of freedom but with accountability I think you want both both and not either or um, if you have a lot of freedom but no accountability, you end up creating Absaloms. Uh, that's freedom with no fathering, and that doesn't yeah. really end up very well. If you have all accountability, no freedom, then I think often you can end up with something more Jezebelic, which is lots of control, um, but not much development space. Sure. I think a much better way is create environments where you father people well, but in a context of freedom, love. Um, those would be some of the some of the safeguards I think help and, and obviously relationship I think it's doing relationship well in a culture and environment of honor and encouragement mm. splendid Phil well we're, we're sadly coming to the end just to any anyone who's particularly helped you in in your thinking either you've read or personally yeah I'm, I think many people through the years I mean Terry Virgo would be uh, someone who definitely has influenced me through the years uh, Terry's got a very high regard for the prophetic um, I think just watching him through his years of ministry steer the course of a whole movement by what God said has been very very provoking um, my my own kind of prophetic mentor Bob Holway had a big influence on me 
I mean, there are lots of great resources out there. Uh, I think Jack Deere's books on the prophetic are very, very helpful, particularly if you're coming from a perhaps a more conservative evangelical background. Indeed, yeah. Um, so those those would be some things that I found very, very helpful. Right. Well, and and finally, uh, details of your book, Phil. Um, uh, just put, spell your surname for us. Yeah, it's W I L T H E W. Right. Um, and yeah, there are loads of places you can get hold of it. Um, you can get hold of it on our my church's online store, the King's Arms uh, store. Uh, also, Malcolm Down Publishing, who uh, the the publishers of the book. Uh, you can get it from your local Waterstones if you go in and ask them. Uh, they'll order it. And, of course, uh, all our good friends online, so Amazon, Book Depository. Um, so wherever you are, you should be able to, able to get hold of it in some shape or form. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for so concisely and helpfully uh, exploring and explaining something of uh, developing a prophetic culture. I do encourage people, obviously, to get a copy of the book and they can explore further, especially if they're... And not used to this kind of conversation. So uh, do, do do that. So thank you, Phil, very much. Thanks, Andy. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined by Phil Wilfew. Uh, his uh, book, again, Developing a Prophetic Culture, uh, published by uh, Malcolm Down Publishing. Uh, do listen to archive versions of the Leadership File uh, by going to Premier's website or going to iTunes as well. And you can download it to your listening device. Look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apec at cwr.org.uk. Thank you.